Welcome to Your Brand Amplified, the podcast where we interview marketers, publicists, and brands to learn their stories, what makes them tick, and tips and tricks that make a difference. I am so excited about this interview today. I have Peter Schroeder on, who has been an entrepreneur all his life, really. You're a multi-award winning DJ, entrepreneur, and the founder of Telzio, a pre-unicorn. So this is really exciting. I was telling you before we jumped on, my background is music. Everything I learned came from growing up in the music scene and learning how to promote, how to bring people together, how to create that community, right? Everything I do in marketing and PR is because of that. And otherwise, I don't know what I would be doing. So Peter, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. That's a pleasure to be here. Yay. So let's <laughs> talk about your start. You had a career path, radio host, DJ, and now a tech entrepreneur. And you, at the age of 12, were a radio host? <laughs> yes, I thought out really, uh, really young. And I kind of got, just got thrown into it because I think it started with me just being interviewed by some local radio show, which was a subdivision of a national network. And I guess they liked me. So they made me this, I wouldn't call it a host. I was just like traveling around the country in, in Denmark. I grew up in Denmark. So traveling around the country, just interviewing other kids uh, for a kid's show every week. And from there on, the same network put me on, you know, for, for national radio. And then from there on, national TV, doing the same thing when I was yeah pretty young. So still out early, yeah. Yeah. Well, how did you get the first interview? What was that about? Well, I was actually just filming some some stuff with some friends, like making some 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 movies, you know, just, just for fun when it was like, I don't know. We've been really young, maybe fourth or fifth grade or something like that. Yeah. And some local newspaper picked it up and wrote a little story about it. And then the radio and then, yeah, from there on, you know, <laughs> the story was apparently good. So, yeah. Amazing. And so how did you then transition from making movies then to being on the radio, right? And then TV, and then becoming a top DJ with multiple platinum records, gold records, nominations. <laughs> well, I mean, I grew up with parents that are both uh, musicians. <clears throat> my mom, um, a pianist, and my dad, a drummer, and he was out on gigs every weekend. And, uh, so so it's kind of just in my blood. I always been, you know, playing music, making music. So when I saw a DJ at a school dance or something like that, maybe in third grade or something, I just knew that that was what I wanted to do. So I started playing at my friend's birthday parties with, you know, two cassette players and just for fun. But it's just like the pleasure of giving people a good time, time, you know, like seeing them having fun just by playing some cool songs for them. That was so significant for me that I just kept doing that. And I got more and more actual gigs later on when I was in my teenage years. And when I was 17 or 18, I got my first club gig. And from there on, I just played every single weekend, like three times a week. And eventually I started actually producing music. I found a couple of band members and released our first songs when I was probably like 19 or 20 or something like that. Got signed by a label in Germany and, and went on tour. So it kind of just always was around from very, very young. And I just couldn't help not you know, being involved in, in that scene at all. Yeah. Well, but how do you pivot from that to becoming a tech entrepreneur? Well, so that's also been been around because when I'm a nerd, I'm a major nerd, and and I got my first computer when I was probably six years, seven years, you know, like and instead of playing video games like my friends were, I was more interested in what's actually happening behind the scenes. So I was coding and stuff at really young age, and when I was fourteen, I launched my first website when the internet just started becoming a thing, like in the late '90s, and that grew over the years to become the biggest artist community in Scandinavia, and I sold it when I was eighteen. So. 
I've always been very nerdy, you know, in front of my computer when I was not making music. And, you know, when I was making music, that was also in front of the computer. So that's always been around. And eventually I started a record label. And for that, I coded the software to keep track of the releases and promotion and these kind of things. So while I was in the music industry, I've always been in tech for sure. So fascinating. I always joke that did one of the first influencer campaigns online because back in that time, the late 90s, early 2000s, early aughts, when I was working for Revolution Magazine, we were just launching the magazine. It was a dance music magazine, came with a CD of curated music every month. And I had to go into music chat rooms because this is Mm -hmm. before MySpace and Friendster and Facebook and everything that we have now, Spot, you know. We didn't have Spotify. We didn't have Apple. (laughs) But I had to go in and, you know, type in, hey, we're launching a new music magazine. If you want to be one of my revolutionary street team, then send me your address and I'll send you magazines and swag. And people still send me photos of the flyers from back then or the record bags that we gave out. So it's, it's really fun to think about how out of this creativity and the things that you love doing at an early age, they're still with you today. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt. (laughs) That's fun. Yeah. So tell me about being an entrepreneur. What were some of the challenges that you faced along the way? Being an entrepreneur, it's a challenge in general, just period. Every single day is a roller coaster. Luckily, as you get more and more experience, the ups and downs, you know, the evened out a little bit more and you get more used to dealing with things. And of course, as you learn about yourself as you grow, certain things become easier. But early on, I definitely learned that saying no, it's a skill you need to acquire because I'm a people pleaser. I want to help everywhere I can. And I also want to be involved in everything. You know, I love being involved in things and doing things. So saying no is really hard for me. And the problem with that is one, you can't say yes to everything, can't do everything. You don't have time, you, you don't have energy and so on and so on and so on. But Also, you start burning bridges when you say yes to everything and you don't follow through because you can't. And that was definitely something that I struggled with when I was, you know, late teens and in my 20s even. And eventually it led to me having to basically cut everything and take a break for maybe a year or two. And after my manager basically pulled me aside and said, hey, we need to fix this because she saw that I needed some help with this and I needed to stop basically saying yes to everything. <laughs> and, 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 and. Uh, so that was something I learned on really, really young or really, really early on in, in my careers. And it's something I still you know, have to remind myself today is that you can't do everything for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's one of the biggest lessons. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you, you should be the person. Exactly. Or that you have yeah. to do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So in your different entrepreneurship journeys, did you find that you had some of the same obstacles or different ones in different industries? Yes and no. I would say the same things always happen. You know, there's always just in general business obstacles there. It's what people call gut feeling that you evolve over the years. And I think gut feeling is really just experience. You gain some experience with in dealing with people and, and smelling bullshit from far away. And there is a lot of that in any industry, I think, especially in entertainment for sure. But I think every industry really has it. And with the years and with the experiment, you, you start seeing that from miles away. I think that's really a common denominator that I think kind of resonates with everyone who's done business. Now, walk us through. So you sold your artist-driven website at the age mm-hmm. of 18, 19. Oh, You're yeah. touring all over, producing, record label, performing. You had to take a little break. And this is all still while you are in Denmark? Yeah, I was well in Europe, I would say, because we're pretty much all over. And, you know, especially Germany, actually, I had quite a bit down there. I would say in my 20s, eventually I started branching out. I started getting more and more gigs. Probably we're talking now around 2010, 11-ish. I started getting more and more gigs in the US and started playing in Vegas. And that was 
right when EDM suddenly became a term. I mean, to me, that was just music because I grew up in Europe and we had dance music, uh, yeah. <laughs> what we call it, or, you know, like training music. But all of a sudden, EDM was a term and that started becoming popular or mainstream in the US. Before that, I mean, we were talking about earlier that you we were involved in the Chicago scene. And I envy that because that's to me, the OG electronic music and, and, and house music. But in the US, that was not by far, by, well, by, by any means, really like mainstream. But in the 2010, 11-ish, electronic music suddenly became mainstream. And I think something to do with YouTube and Spotify and these kind of media platforms becoming popular. And it, suddenly it's easier to promote certain things worldwide rather than just locally. But for me, I've played that music my whole life. So it was, you know, in my blood, it was very, very easy for me. And I knew exactly what to do to get a dance floor going with that genre. So it was very easy for me to get gigs, <laughs> you know, like it was just natural. So I had an advantage when I started playing in, in the US and I got more and more gigs and eventually moved to Los Angeles in 2012. Nice. And been here ever since. Yeah, I've been here for 10, 11 years now. Wow. Nice. <laughs> now, I understand you've had some challenges as well. You were in a plane crash. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that came up recently again, and I had totally forgotten about it. I, maybe oh, I should gosh. probably talk to someone about that. <laughs> no, yeah, I was in a, in a small commuter jet, not a commuter jet, turboprop, it's called, mm-hmm. propeller airplane, back in 2010, I think, that suddenly couldn't lock or couldn't get a lamp showing that the landing gear was locked when they were about to land. So they had to circle over the landing field for, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half, two hours to burn the fuel and to prepare, I guess. Eventually, they landed and the landing gear didn't lock in place. So it actually, you know, went down the belly and, and to the side and the propeller went through the fuselage and it was a it was a mess, but no one got hurt besides I think one lady broke her arm and that was pretty much it. And while going through that and I, you know, I actually had time to call my mother. Like I was on my way up to visit her when it happened. I'm gonna be a little delayed. But the crew on that plane was so professional and they were so calm and just so much in control that I wasn't even scared when it was about to happen. And also the funny thing is the exact same model of airplane had a similar incident a week before with the same airline, but that one didn't crash. That one would actually land normally, but they had the same problem. So we didn't really think much of it. We really didn't. Well, you saw it on the news that the other one landed fine. So we didn't really think that anything was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But they didn't move people from the center to each end of the aircraft to, because they did know that maybe if something happened, the propeller could go through the future uh-huh. lap. And, and so, yeah, I guess I should probably work on that a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I talk I, to the reason I bring it up is I'm wondering, did it change your outlook? after you survived, came up unscathed? Did it change where you decided to go with your life or with your business after that? I think there's so much going on in my life at that point that it didn't really resonate. Nothing really happens because at this time, my mom was sick with cancer. She passed away maybe half a year later. So I was on my way up to visit her. So that was very significant already for me. And that probably changed a lot more in my life than this particular thing. And at the same time, my career was really taking off. I was playing the year after this, I was playing, I think, 380 something gigs in one year. So I completely burned out by that, by the way. And and that's really also what led me to start Telsio, my current company, and really just kind of ditch out of the music industry, at least put it on pause, I would say. It's been a 10 year pause now, but <laughs> it's not really gone for me because I'm still very much, you know, my all my friends are still in that industry. I mean, you can look behind me, we are on a video call here, you know, like I have my keyboard and stuff like just around me all the time. I have my turntables in our office as well. So it's not something I can completely let go. And for me, it's really just a, hey, just <laughs> I would say like a little pause. 
But now it can be more of a creative and fun outlet instead of yeah. your job, your day-to-day job. Correct, yeah. That schedule sounds grueling. Now, yeah. how did you translate your success in the music business and I know early days of internet as well into your current company, Telzio? I hope mm-hmm. I'm pronouncing that correctly. And tell us, mm-hmm. what does your company do? If you really boil it down, a phone service provider for a business phone service. Yeah, we do texting, calling, you know, and all the different features that a business would need for a phone service, whether you're two employees or you're 2,000. It's a very flexible system. And the reason why I started that was really just because I needed it for a project I was working on for music. I was building a platform for promoting music between artists and DJs and radio stations. That was kind of, I guess you can call it Bitcoin or or like blockchain based. It wasn't really, blockchain wasn't really around at that time, but it was kind of the same principles. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was kind of the, the same principles. And I was working on this platform and I needed a phone service uh, where, you know, people could call in for support and press one for this, press two for that and be on a queue and those kind of things. And I couldn't find anything out of the box that was just easy to set up. So typical me, hey, yeah, I'll just make it myself. So (laughs) I started doing that and that was fun. I really liked working with something that was not necessarily directly music related because I was at that point really just burned out from touring and it was a lot of pressure. So it was kind of nice to be away from that for a little bit and, and focus on something that was just completely different. And that turned out to be a lot of fun. Are you ready to take your brand to new heights? Join the Brand Amplifier for Entrepreneurs program. Learn how to build, elevate, and amplify your brand with a comprehensive 10-module course. Learn more about it and other ways to implement our strategies at fullcapacitymarketing.com. Click on EFCM Learning Hub for more information. Can't wait to help you amplify your brand. So you work with a lot of really big companies. Do you also work with smaller companies? Do you provide, besides inbound calls, is it also, the, like you said, promotion? So is it also mm-hmm. like texting people with promotion, mm-hmm. things like that? Yeah, it's everything that you would need. So like you say, we have really big companies, Facebook, Google, Lyft, Airbnb, all these big giant tech companies use us for their phone service, but also small companies like startups with one or two people. And the reason for that is really, I'm very, you know, focused on solidarity and making sure that everyone has the kind of the same playing field and starting point for everyone. So I feel like every time I sign up for a service online where you have to pay so and so much extra to get a certain feature for an enterprise plan, I can't afford an enterprise plan because I'm a small company. I feel that that's really unfair. Why do they get it just because they're big? Like, Why do they get the cool features? Why can't I have it so that at least we can compete fairly? I'm very focused on those kind of things. And that's kind of what tells you is about. We make everything you know equal for everyone. So when you sign up for our service, you, know, you get the same features as everyone else. You just pay for the usage, meaning that you pay for the minutes you call and the text you send, these kind of things, which you know scales really well because a big company texts and call more than a small one. So it's completely equal for everyone. And that's really what we're about. Yeah. And when you started the company, was there very much competition? Because now there are other services out there that say they offer this service mm-hmm. or that service. I don't know what that they offer exactly what you do. So I'd like to right. know about that. And then also, what is your big differentiator? Yeah. So there were competition back then. I would say not as much as today, probably. We invented a bunch of features as we started out, and a lot of them have been copied by our competitors today. But I would say that the big differentiator is really, like I talked about before, with the way we treat our customers and, and how our billing model, for example, works with you only pay for the usage. We're really the only ones doing that out there still. Everyone else is pay per user and then pay at a ridiculous fee for upgrading and also lock yourself in for five-year contracts. We don't do any of that. We're just like 
Yeah, very different on that point. And also a big one is we build everything ourselves. Like I said, I'm a big nerd. I still code today. And I found some really, really good people for our team. We're a very small team in terms of how many customers we have, at least compared to our competitors. But we have some really, really smart people on our team. And we build everything in-house where everyone else out there, they license from other businesses and, you know, it's a Frankenstein thing. They slap their own UI on it and they call it theirs. We actually build everything from ground up, which means that we are 100% in control. We can build new things. We can fix things when something is broken, meaning that we don't have to wait for someone else to come in and and do it, which also means that we don't go down. We haven't been down for years, uh, not a single minute. And that's really just because we are in control. We can fix things and we can make it good. And we have. You talked about your parents being musicians, it was always in your blood. Is there anybody else who's been instrumental or a mentor or somebody you've really been influenced by as you've gone through your career? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've always had people around me that I've been very influenced about and looked up to for sure. I've never had a real mentor and I really regret that. I think that is something that is so significant that I see some other people have had and, you know, have someone who can give you the shortcuts, you know, tell you their experience. This is not something you can just read about for anything, really, like any business you're in, whether that being music or tech or running a business, there's just certain things that you can't just read about or go to school for. And I wish that I have had that. It's hard to find. It is, uh, you know, I mean, you, you need to have someone who actually wants to invest their time in you and your success for not selfish reason. And that can be hard to find for sure. Definitely. We talked about some of the pitfalls of entrepreneurship and different journeys, but what are three traits that you think are important for entrepreneurs to have? Hmm. Well, I know for myself, stubbornness. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't call it persistent. Some people probably would. I call it stubbornness because I'm incredibly stubborn. And if someone tells me there's something I can't do or that's not going to work, I'm going to definitely show you that they're wrong and I'm right. <laughs> so I'm incredibly stubborn. And that's also definitely part of why I've gotten to where I am because I've never been the naturally best at anything. I'm not that guy who's just out the gate and just you know, has instant success. I don't think anyone really has instant success. There's always a lot behind the scenes that you don't see, but I definitely not that perfect person that just you go has success with everything. I work for it and I work 16, 17 hours a day to get to that point. And then I'm incredibly stubborn. That's saying, I think is one of the traits that I think is really important really, because yeah, no one's going to be, have, have that success without putting in the labor. And then the other thing is really I guess naivety is one of the things, like believing something's going to work and that you can do it, even though it sounds ridiculous. I mean, who would go out and start a phone company <laughs> on a bootstrap budget? I mean, so my wife and I founded the company together and, and I didn't have any money. She cashed in her 401k for us to start it. And that's really how we did. We never took investments. Well, we took a little bit of friends and family money a few years in, a couple of hundred thousand dollars. That's it. Everything has been, been bootstrapped pretty much. So I think being able to actually believe that something's going to work, even though it sounds ridiculous is important. My favorite quote is from P.P. Longstocking. She says uh, something in the lines of, of, I've never done that before, so I'm sure I'm going to be good at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, that worldview is just amazing to me. And then I, I think that's really important. Yeah. So stubbornness or tenacity, perhaps, naivety, yeah. <laughs> or a positive outlook, perhaps, yeah. manifestation mindset, right? Yeah. So what would you say, is? do you have a third one that you would say is a core trait? Um, yeah, I, th- I think likability. Just treat people right and be nice to people. Then they will like you. And I think that's incredibly important. I've worked with a lot of 
big artists is a good analogy, I think. I've worked with some really big names and met a lot of really, really big names. And they've always been very, very kind and very nice. And, you know, the thing is, no one's going to work with you and get behind you if you're an asshole. Like, you, you need to be nice to people and treat people fairly. Then you can get some people behind you because you can't do it yourself. No matter what industry you're in, be that being music or, or anything in tech or whatever you're in, you can't do it yourself. You need some people behind you, you need good people behind you, and no one's going to get behind you and help you if you're not nice to them. Yeah, very true. Very true. That's the reason why it doesn't matter where you live, right? You probably mm -hmm. still have people everywhere else that you've lived who want to work with you, who reach out to you if they have a question about a business idea and they know that you're somebody they can go to and trust and that mm -hmm. you're going to give them not necessarily the answer they want to hear, but the answer they need to hear. Yeah, yeah. And just, yeah, exactly. Just be that person that people would like to hang around and be around and, you know, talk to without having any hidden agenda or, or you know, you wanting something in return from them. Just be a nice person. Yeah. Yeah. So how is it working with your spouse? And you also have <laughs> twins? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a lot of work. So we've been really, really good at dividing our tasks between us. I mean, one of the things that we were told early on was also, we're not going to invest in you because you're a couple. No one would want to do that. And I get it. I understand why. And it, it's definitely different. I mean, it's difficult if you don't understand how to kind of have the boundaries, try to not talk about it, work at home or when you're off and divide your responsibilities. She does sales and running the company, you know, all the operations and these kind of things. And, and I'm creative and technical. So, so those are the things I'm in charge of. And as long as you can kind of split those responsibilities between you and not step on each other's toes, then it works. But that's something you have to learn. It's not something that comes easy for anyone, I think. And yeah, we had twins a year and a half ago, and obviously that takes a lot of time at work as well. So we have enough to do for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, that helps you stay focused on the twins when you're at home instead of talking yeah. about work. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. With everything that you do, did you see the pandemic change what you were able to do in music or even with your tech company? Did it give you more time to focus and fine tune things or get more sales? Did you see it go down? I know everybody had a different experience. For me, I started an agency during the pandemic and was able to grow a lot of things during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was, you know, with a time of creativity and a lot of positive stuff in a time of darkness. Yeah, for sure. I was very happy that I wasn't in the music industry at that time. That's for sure. I saw all my friends struggle. I mean, I had I have a really, really close friend who was finally, after working for decades, uh, headlining Tomorrow World, which is one of the biggest oh, yeah. EDM festivals in the world. They were headlining for the first time in 2020 and got canceled, right? Yeah. You imagine working for 10, 20 years and finally you hit, hit the peak of where you wanted to be and then canceled. That, that must be brutal. Oh, that was brutal for him, for sure. And at the same time, I was sitting there almost having survivor guilt because I was in the tech company, in the telecom industry, and all of a sudden everyone had to work from home and phone systems needed to be updated so that workers could take their calls from home. And that was exactly what our system does, right? So we had a lot of success. So we were so busy, like literally overnight, all of a sudden everything just exploded. So we were super busy and, and, and got 
you know, it definitely propelled our business for sure. And we were lucky we had posted a blog post back in 2016 or something like that, that comes up as number one on Google if you search for how to set up a hotline. And there were so many hotlines that needed to be set up wow. for, you know, COVID, where could you get vaccinated, all these kind of things. So yeah, we were really lucky. And I was, I had survivor's guilt for sure, because I was seeing all my friends really struggling. All their gigs were canceled. They didn't know where to get their money from. And even people that I know from the other side of the music industry, even the songwriters, producers, didn't have anything to do because the record labels wouldn't invest in anything because you know, they didn't know where things were going. So everything was just paused. Luckily, after you know a couple of years, I think within the past 12 months, it seems like things are really back on track again. But yeah, that changed everything for sure. Yeah, definitely. So where do you see yourself going and growing next? You obviously have your company. Are there other creative ventures that you're thinking about adding other companies you want to create? Every single day. <laughs> <laughs> Again, there's a thing about saying no and, and, and keeping yourself focused, right? It's, uh, there's, I have a new idea every day. I mean, yeah, it's fun to work on Telgeo because there's always something new you can build. So that's why I like that industry, actually. It's, it's, I found out that, hey, communications technology is just never ending. There's always something new fun. So that's what keeps me focused on this and really keeps me on and wanting to keep developing this product and, and this company. But yeah, I mean, eventually there will be other things that I'll build for sure. It's about figuring out which one to focus on, really, because like I said, I have a new idea every day. Yeah. <laughs> well, Peter, what is the easiest way for people to learn more about Telcio and services and everything that you offer for your capabilities? So Telcio, it's really just going to our website, T-E-L-Z-I-O, C-S and Zebra, and click on start a trial because there's a free trial. And really for us, the easiest way to explain how it works and, and how easy it actually is and how fun it is to play with is just to go try it out. There's no attachments. So really just press that button and, and try out how easy it is. It is very much, you know, drag and drop. And it's, it's actually a lot of fun to play around with once you're signed up. And if you want to get a hold of me and ask me anything, always welcome to reach out. PetersRoto.com. There's some links for all my social media and there's even my email address. So yeah, go there and reach out. Fantastic. And I will definitely put all of those resources in the show notes. I did have one last question. Has AI changed the face of telecom and the company and what you're doing? Or do you see how it's going to be changing in the future? Yeah, everything is changing. But everything is always changing. <laughs> That's really the thing. Yeah, we've been working on AI stuff since I think 2017 when we registered uh, AIattendant.com, which is going to be a new feature we're rolling out right now where, okay. I mean, it's crazy how good it is when you train it with data from your past conversations, like call recordings or chats that you've had with your customers and you plug those into it, it will be able to really respond to phone calls from your customers better than any employee that you've had for the past decade. It's crazy good. So I'm excited about rolling those things out. And, you know, I can't tell where things are going. It's moving very fast. And I'm excited to just be around to see these things. It's scary and fun at the same time. But like I say, everything is always changing. It's like some people are, are scared that their jobs are going to be taken. But it's kind of like when, you know, saddle makers said, we're always going to be making saddles. And then all of a sudden the car came and the ones who said, oh, I'm going to make upholstery for cars. Mm. They had work to do for the next long time. And the ones that still make saddles, they were out of uh, out of the job pretty fast. So, yeah. you know, that's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. AI opens a whole new world of compliance and all kinds yeah. of other jobs, I think that'll be. But I love hearing that little snippet about this tool that you're going to be rolling out mm -hmm. because I think just adds that other level of usefulness that business owners need when they're yeah. trying to grow their companies. 
Exactly, exactly. And, and and you need something that's out of the box where you don't have to figure out how it works. You just need to set it up and follow the steps to import the stuff and press play because, hey, you know what? Everyone can't be an expert on AI, but you need to use it for sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Peter. This has been a fantastic conversation. I've loved meeting you and getting to connect and music and early days of the internet and everything you're doing. And again, I'll have everything in the show notes for everybody to check out. And if they go to your website, will they also be able to check out your former music? I think there's actually a link for for some uh, YouTube okay. and some Spotify stuff in there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so you need yeah. some tunes. So you can download uh-huh. those from Peter's website as well. Yeah. I am Annika Jackson. And I'll be back again in a few days with another amazing expert. Thanks for tuning in. Want more? Check out AmplifyWithAnnika.com or follow me on socials at AmplifyWithAnnika.com.